This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create positive change in the world every day by being a conscious consumer. I'm your host, Laura Alexandra Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco, and I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted a place to talk about the gray areas around sustainability and how being a conscious consumer can be challenging and confusing but it's totally doable. So join me in the name of reducing waste and living positively in the name of the planet. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Good together, listeners. I know I say this every time. I'm always excited to welcome new guests to the podcast, but today is especially um, exciting because today we've got Nick Huzar on the podcast. He is the um, founder of OfferUp, as I'm sure all of us are very familiar with that app and you know, thinking about the impact um, it's had on the circular economy, um, at least in modern times, has been pretty mind-blowing. Um, but it, what we're here to talk about today is you know, what he's been doing since uh, founding OfferUp and really, um, you know, want to get into a new project that he's working on called Stuff TV. Um, I'll let him tell you all about all the things, um, but I'm so excited to talk about stuff with you today, Nick. Welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be here and good to talk about stuff, something I think we can all clearly relate to. Yeah, absolutely. So I wonder if you want to just get us started by just doing a really brief intro of you and sort of what you've been up to. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of do a, a quick intro on offer up and then I'll dig into uh, stuff a little bit more as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I started, you know, offer up uh, unintentionally, to be honest. I've done a few companies and, you know, I was uh, moving on from my previous startup and kind of interviewing for a job. And then my wife told me she was pregnant and I said, hallelujah, this is awesome. And I go into dad mode and was going to turn this old room we had into uh, my daughter's nursery. And then I just thought about it. I'm like, this is going to take me forever to try to post all these things online. There's got to be a better yeah. way. And so I think like any most entrepreneurs, you're really selfishly kind of solving a problem for yourself first. And that was it for me. So we started writing code on the second generation iPhone. There was no Android phone. So it's Oh, my I, God. <laughs> gives you an idea kind of where we were. But... You know, I, I think, you know, my belief back then and it's still true now was, you know, if you think about the amount of stuff that's accumulating all around the world, it's really growing in these urban areas. And I, I just felt like, man, you know, if we could if we could leverage these devices that we now have all in our in our pockets, we can rethink the entire local buying and selling experience. And if we remove friction, then we can unlock a lot of value. And I think that was always the spirit of why we started offer up. Yeah. And I'm going to just jump in here, listeners, because depending on, you know, how old you are, you may or may not remember times before we all had smartphones. But I think, you know, what the big insight that you just shared that jumped out to me was the fact that you realized that we could 
be putting these devices to better use, right? Like we could like literally take this new technology that we had and use it to connect with people in slightly different ways. Um, I remember I was around for the launch of the iPad. I actually was working at Apple retail because it was the great recession <laughs> and I was working Apple retail on the side. And I remember when the iPad came out, I was like, look, I don't really get it. This seems to me like, you know, a big iPhone. And I just remember everybody talking about, no, there's so many different ways we can use these devices, like in the doctor's office, et cetera. So, you know, having that insight, I think on what you said, a second generation iPhone, like that's pretty mind blowing and like kind of hard to um, picture nowadays. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was, you know, a lot of work. We just believed yeah. we were very early. Uh, clearly. Um, and luckily we stuck with it long enough and it, and it, and it took off. And then today, you know, OfferUp's half the U.S. is installed OfferUp. We've had 130 million installs. Uh, we sell billions of dollars worth of goods every month, uh, and we have like huge percentages of of you know cities using us. Like like 30 percent of all of LA, all the adults in LA use OfferUp every month. Wow. Uh, so we really become a platform for local, um, and, and I think that that's a good segue into you know why I'm doing stuff. And so you know I've had. Uh, front row seat for over a decade to local commerce. And I can, I've been seeing kind of the activity and just blown away by how much consumption there is in the U S Yeah, and I started thinking a lot about my own existence and thinking, you know, how am I impacting this planet? And I think we all wonder this. Yeah. And I thought I could Google this by the way. And, uh, uh, you, you know, you can measure these things, but it's not, it's not really very easy to digest and understand. And so, you know, my approach to this was, it is a complex topic. It's one I know that we all think about, but there's not really good, simple solutions to help us kind of visualize what's happening. And so, yeah. you know, what I found was a lot of scientists talking about it, you know, in just not really an engaging way. And so I'm more of a visual, visual learner. And so I felt, you know, why don't I do video podcast? Why don't I interview folks, talk mm -hmm. about this talk, topic, but let's also bring... Um, some visuals into it. So a good example would be, you know, I laid in uh, a year's worth of my family's trash uh, for Earth Day. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it was actually a week's worth, but then we photoshopped it times 50. <laughs> well, that's yeah. good. <laughs> um, but that's a lot of but been my approach has been, you know, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I think I'm good at taking complexity and making it simple. And so, you know, that's what we've been doing. And we'll do, I'm going to do uh, 52 episodes this year. Wow. And it's, you know, it's everything from, you know, uh, the gentleman that advised Bill Gates on his nuclear efforts to, uh, you know, recycled underwear. I mean, you name it. I mean, anything around stuff, I'm talking about it because I do think it's a topic people are interested in. And like I said, I didn't see a lot of resources out there that I thought were, you know, interesting to kind of engage in. So it's kind of a personal mission that I'm on and then I'm just recording it and sharing it with the masses. Yeah, no, I, I, lo I love this approach. And I think you're right. There's so much opportunity to further discuss this problem in different ways. I think we all are familiar with the ubiquitous carbon footprint calculator. Um, you know, there, there's a few sort of, I guess, like eco tropes, if you will, that people are familiar with. But at the same time, I don't think we are talking enough about consumption and doing it in a more responsible and conscious way. I mean, that's the whole reason we founded uh, this, this podcast and Brightly. I mean, it, it, to me, it becomes so much more of an issue when you actually start to think about the, um, you know, the impact that you're having on a personal level. 
Um, and so, you, but listeners, you know, we like to throw in statistics um, just to help, uh, you know, ground you in what we're talking about. But, um, you know, in 2022, so last year, um, U.S. consumers spent $17.4 trillion on goods and services. Um, and that spend has almost doubled in 17 years. So we are accumulating more things. Um, and, you know, the EPA, we've talked about this statistic before, but I love it where because it, it's just staggering, in my opinion. Like the EPA uh, says that the average American produces 4.5 pounds of trash every single day. Um, and that's crazy. I mean, like, can you I'm trying to think like. Nick, what's something that weighs like five pounds that people, is it like, I'm like, how, like, how much is like a sack of flour weigh? I'm trying yeah, to maybe, remember. <laughs> maybe one of those. Even the more blowing, mind-blowing stat is the average American will produce 128,000 pounds in a lifetime. Oh my and God. That's just one person. So do the math times the number of Americans and you think about consumption and what happens to everything. Where does it all go? Yep. Right. So I've been I've been interviewing and talking to a lot of recycling companies and waste management companies, just more or less out of curiosity of, you know, there's still value in this waste stream. And I think yeah. the hard part is how do you extract, you know, how do you reuse these things? And so I think that, you know, you're seeing a lot more innovation in this space than we've ever had, which is good, but it is a you know, it, it is a massive problem. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit about that because I feel like people who want to still have a lot of stuff, oftentimes rely on this sort of happy path that their goods go through when they leave their house, right? So recycling or goodwill or, you know, a bunch of, you know, various ways to get rid of your things. Um, but ultimately, I'm a big believer that, you know, number one, you should try and get somebody else to reuse it directly, right? Like using an offer up or buy nothing or something like that, because that's like a direct impact. Um, but then when we think about recycling, donation, et cetera, like stuff really doesn't end up oftentimes where we think it does. Um, we had a great podcast with um, uh, a, a gentleman who came from a family of um, garbage collectors for more, more, you know, uh, for lack of a better word for many, many years, it was his family business. And, you know, they have just been, they've focused on textiles, but they, he talked for a long time about just how it's not ending up where we think it is. So I'm curious to know, like in some of these conversations you've been having on stuff TV, like what, you know, what are, what are some things that are jumping out to you? Yeah, I think, well, I think starting all the way, um, you know, to your house and as consumers. So let's talk about manufacturing for a minute. So some of the trends, I think the things that are bubbling up require government and require policy. And yes. so if you look at, uh, I think we all go through this is, you know, you take your trash and you go, where then does this even go in? It is so complicated. And you know, the little recycle kind of, uh, the sign on there that was never intended to be recycled. Uh, recyclable yeah. that that came about is just a way to label and describe what the products are made of and then we over time said okay these mean certain things uh it's extremely complicated and i think that's where government needs to come in and create more policy kind of like um like a traffic light like we know no yeah. matter what city in america you go to what a red light means why don't we know why aren't you know why aren't our things labeled in a way that really explains that and so one challenge is manufacturing is typically you know, done with a large audience or a global audience in mind. But the way we deal with waste is very regionalized, sometimes down to the city level. So where you live versus where I live, chances are they do things differently. And so that creates a macro challenge. It's, it's, it's very different. So 
I have heard that they are going to start to enforce different types of labeling uh, for manufacturers. And I've also heard they're going to put some of the burden on manufacturers of what happens with their waste. So a good example would be, you know, in, in the world today, we will produce 500 billion with a B plastic water bottles. Coke, yeah. Coca-Cola is probably a big part of that. So I think if they're manufacturing that many water bottles, then they should have some level of liability to say, okay, how are these disposed? So I think yeah, those are all very good, good things at a macro level. And then, you know, part of it is just, I, I think it's, it, I think it's challenging to educate consumers on like, oh, you're going to stand there. You need like a PhD to figure out what goes where. So exactly. You do. Part, yeah. So I think that's part of it is, can we simplify that? Can we put some of the burden on manufacturers and hopefully over, this will take a while, you know, can, can we, can, can we do things at the very, at that spot where as consumers, we put it in the trash? Yeah. Okay. Cause then what happens is then waste management and other places inherit that, but we play a vital role in that. So like if we throw a battery, for example, in our trash, that is catastrophic for a lot of waste management companies It creates fires, explosions, like, you know, so that is bad. Um, you know, how much are we wish cycling? So if we take, uh, you know, plastic and we throw, you know, or we, we actually take trash and throw it in our plastic, in our uh, recycle bin, well, now you just tainted the whole bin, right? And yeah, so exactly. that, is, that is a big challenge, but there are some cool things. You have to look at it like, step by step and really break it down. So there's companies, for example, that are doing uh, AI um, recycling robots. In fact, I had a company called Glacier on the Stuff TV podcast recently. Okay. And the cool thing about that is, they are, they can go super fast and they can learn and they can create data and you can learn a lot from that. So that is a big challenge in, in recycling now is you don't have a lot of very, uh, you know, accurate data. And so can we learn from that and understand what are the things that are coming through these plants? Then the other thing um, some of these companies are doing is they're starting to understand, you know, we, we have a lot of value here. Why are we just throwing these in landfills? Can we actually do more local recycling? And so you know, I had a, uh, a recent uh, uh, company that I had on was Republic Services, and they're a okay. large waste management company. Uh, they have about 17,000 trucks. This gives you an idea how big this company is. And they are trying to partner with companies like Tide to say, hey, you keep throwing out these, you know, consumers keep throwing out these, um, you know, these bins, but we can actually reuse them in the, this new center they have called a polymer center. And so now you don't have to ship these goods around the world anymore. You can say, oh, I'm just going to get my supply locally, which is yeah. huge, which is now you're now, you want to talk about the impacts to the environment. That is a massive, massive change. So, you know, I'm excited by a bunch of these things. There's another comp one more company I'd say that I, I love to plug is called Ridwell. I don't yes. know. Yes. Yeah. I'm familiar them. with them. Yeah. yeah that, that was actually the first episode I ever shot. Very uh, cool. I the CEO. They're based out of Seattle. It's awesome because they're filling a gap that waste management companies typically uh, just, just don't deal with. And so they take a, you know, you name it, I, they take batteries, they take styrofoam, you know, a lot of the plastic waste they take that you're recycling, you know, some of this plastic can't be recycled. Yeah. Uh, they use it to make tracks decking. Right. So oh, they do. Very cool. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. I've heard of that company before. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very popular in Seattle. And I, I think it's just, you know, we need more innovation like that. So uh, yes, we I do. A lot and more nowadays than I used to, but it's, it's great to see. Yeah. And the other thing that's cool about Bridwell. Um, so yeah, I'm based in Seattle as well. And people have their little boxes on their front porch. And it's almost like, a, like a low key status symbol, or <laughs> maybe it's not a status yeah. symbol, it's like an eco symbol. Um, and so I love that they have that branding. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting about Redwell 
Um, and it's something where as, as somebody who knew more and more about like TerraCycle and kind of the controversy there, I've always been curious, like, are they actually doing what they're say they're doing with, with the um, items? Um, and I think Ridwell is an example of a company that is doing that. But, um, you know, there was quite a scandal, as I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, you know, I, I want to say it came to light maybe last year, but TerraCycle is a company that partners with many, many large corporations to launch take back or recycling programs for items that don't seem particularly recyclable on, on the, on the, um, you know, just at first blush, but you know, they're like, Hey, send us back your, I mean, I can't even think of a great example now, but they seem very complicated. Um, and as it turned out, there was, you know, a relatively big scandal where, you know, in some instances, not all, like they, they, they were doing some legitimate recycling, but there were some instances where, you know, they kind of overpromised to these partner corporations. And when it came time to actually take these, you know, uh, products that had been sent to them and get them recycled, they actually weren't doing it. They were like sitting on the items. I mean, so for me, as somebody who is obviously very into this, uh, you know, um, information and, you know, it's a big part of my job. Um, I previously don't think I was looking at these programs with maybe enough skepticism. And then when that came out, I was like, oh my God, I should have known like this. Pro I mean, who thinks that you can actually recycle a insert very um, complicated product <laughs> here, you know? So curious to know like what you've run into in that space as well. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, the biggest challenge in a lot of waste, just dealing with our waste is, is the juice worth the squeeze? I mean, are we going to spend the time yes. to extract, you know, and, and, and isolate these various, um, things that are in our that our must product. be a founder thing i say that all the time and my team always looks at me like are you serious <laughs> it's worth the squeeze yes absolutely <laughs> well I, and i think it's because some cases you're like okay i'm gonna extract um you know uh polyester out of cotton so there's there's an episode yeah. i shot on this we're a really cool company they spent 10 years building this product that basically does exactly that because you know not long ago 100 years ago everything was made out of cotton or wool or whatever it was but now everything's all you know, woven together. And so now isolating and removing uh, plastics and things in our, in our clothing becomes a real big challenge. There's one company that, you know, I had on was, uh, you know, like I said, 10 years in the making to, to figure out exactly that challenge. Now, the key for, I think, for a lot of these is, okay, you know, some of these are very small, right? They're, they're proving these in like a lab. And yeah. now it comes into the supply chain and go, okay, how can you scale this? And is it economical? Because, you know, if it's, if it costs more money or it takes, or it's more, you know, or it's, uh, or it takes longer, people are just not going to do it. And so I think that'll, that'll be probably, a, it, it, you know, you can look at any industry and decide like, are there ways that we can actually go about doing this, that it's, you know, at least neutral. Cause I think consumers will, you know, they, they will, they'll act with their wallet. And if they want a better product, uh, I'm not convinced the masses are willing to spend more for economically friendly, uh, product like Ridwell is a good example like we pay for that everyone yeah. pays for that uh, yeah. but that's not for everybody and so you know I think that it that will be the biggest challenge when it comes to sustainability is how do we how do we do it in a way that is economically viable yeah and I, you know I think you're right there's like a total I guess like yeah sort of magic formula when you're right like does it does it make sense to actually procure this from a financial perspective I think it's obviously number one but I also think too um you know, oftentimes consumers are left having to pick up the burden, like we talked about earlier, whether they're paying for a service like this, or maybe they're paying a little bit extra for a product that's made from recycled materials. So 
you know, I do think um, while we, you know, while the topic, of course, of this podcast is about individual impact, um, you know, we would certainly be remiss if we we didn't. You talked a little bit about at the top of the show about like, yeah, policies and governmental, um, you know, uh, intervention needed. And I think one thing that we can all perhaps take away from this podcast as well is, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you have to, um, you know, dedicate a ton of time and research to this, like, just look at, look and see what's going on at your local level. Um, I think a lot of people forget that some of these more, um, like trail trailblazing type, um, legislation, um, oftentimes starts at the local level, like plastic bag bans, et cetera. So like, maybe just take a look and see what's going on in your local government. And then also just, um, you know, just feel free to contact your representatives every once in a while and just be like, Hey, um, I, you know, am sick of, uh, you know, drinking stuff out of plastic bottles. Like when are we coming up with, uh, you know, a solution to that? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think more people should do that. Like if you talk to government, they, they pay attention to that stuff. And I think most people feel like, Oh, I'm just one person. My, my voice doesn't matter, but they will. They'll listen. If you can reach out to them and do it, you'd be amazed. And so I think more people should do that. Yeah. So we, we've talked a little bit about, um, you know, about the stuff problem in general. But one thing that we had kind of in our notes to talk about, which I think is interesting and, and something that we don't usually talk about is like the negative impacts of actually owning too much stuff. And I think about the um, visual that you just mentioned of you laying down in a pile of trash and listeners, of course, will include links to these visuals and things like that in the show notes because we're audio only right now, right? But, um, you know, other than going into a room and being like, oh my God, I can't handle all this stuff in my house. I'm going to go crazy. Like, what are the other negative impacts of owning too much stuff um, that you're you're seeing from from where you're um, looking at things? Yeah. Well, I think first off, if I think about in my lifetime, the amount of things that are at my fingertips is amazing, right? It's just, it's a great time to be alive. I remember I was talking with somebody earlier. I couldn't get pineapple, for example, when I was a kid, and now I can get it any time of year, right? Mm-hmm. Clothing. Yeah. I just click on a button and things come to me. It, it's a great time to be alive. But when you look when you look back at kind of the overall impact of these things, that's when you realize, well, there's a much bigger consequence to ordering that t-shirt. So a good example would be a lot of times I've seen this online, you know, people are harping on like Leonardo DiCaprio because he's flying a private jet and he's talking about sustainability. Um, If you look at all of transportation, boats, planes, cars, that is nothing compared to what it takes to clothe us. Our clothing industry is, is, is a major contributor to carbon emissions. And part of that is, I mean, we'll just look at the cost of a t-shirt. So a t-shirt Just to make a T-shirt is about thirty bathtubs worth of gas, or where's the water to actually make a T-shirt. Well, then it's okay. I got to heat up the dyes to make this thing, and then I got to stick it on a plane, and then I got to bring it over here. And then what happens when you only wear that for a while? Then what happens to that T-shirt, especially if yeah. there's plastic woven into it? So, you know, clothing is is a massive one. And the other one, and I think we're guilty of this even in our own household, where you know we find a shirt we like online. And we're not sure it's going to fit. So what do we do? We order multiple sizes. And, you know, so we end up, you know, picking that one perhaps, but then we send the other ones back. So think about the process that's happening there. It's not, again, the transportation packaging. If you think of the biggest, one of the biggest contributors to carbon emissions, it's, it's plastics in our packaging. I mean, yeah. we're doing over a hundred billion parcels ship, you know, a year uh, being shipped. And I forgot exactly the date. I want to say it's the next five to seven years. 
we'll have close to 250 billion packages shipped every single year. And so that is a massive, massive number. And so I would just encourage people to go look at your closet and go, do you really need 50 t-shirts? Yeah. No, it's, it's totally, it's so true, Nick. And I think, yes, sustainable fashion, I think was probably the first, my first entry point into the world of thinking about being eco-conscious. I think it's one that, um, you know, people are trying to tackle in different ways, like at least from like a technology standpoint or even a startup perspective. But I think really before we even get there, we as a society and as individuals need to kind of rethink our relationship with fashion. Um, And I actually, one of the reasons I went on this journey myself was my very first job um, out of college that was meaningful (laughs) um, was I, I worked at Amazon. I worked at Amazon Fashion. And my whole job there was to sell as many shoes, handbags, and clothing pieces to people as I possibly could. And I got really good at that job. I loved the fact that I was having some success professionally, but I also one day had this realistic um, sort of um, epiphany where I was like, wait a second, like I myself am actively contributing to a cycle that is not sustainable. Um, And a lot of it comes down to trends. It comes down to, um, you know, utilization of of materials that aren't going to last a long time. And, you know, of course, sometimes that's done by design, right? Like sometimes companies are like, trying to get you to buy more that way, but they're also trying to get you to buy more because it's not as cool or it's not on trend, et cetera. So I myself, like as I started going throughout this this journey, I've started to really prioritize classic pieces that are going to last me a long time. They might not be like the most exciting looking things, I guess, if we're thinking about like something that's like super trendy, but I've also found that like you can kind of mix and match and, you know, get creative and maybe you have like a pair of trendy earrings, which hopefully would take up a little bit less, um, you know, room in a landfill if you had to chuck them out. So anyway, I, I, that's a, it's a, that's a little bit long winded, but I, I do think that, you know, we can, we should start to consider, you know, what we're purchasing from a fashion perspective. Um, is it going to last a long time? And then yes, the, the sizing piece I think is, is rough. And so I often now, when I go to purchase things, I look for stuff that's got a little bit of stretch to it. So it's not just like that standard, you know, cotton with like zero give. I look to either buy stuff that's maybe slightly oversized that I can kind of like flex into as, you know, weight fluctuates, et cetera. But I also look for stretchy fabric. Um, And I have a daughter who's just about 20 months old now and always been prioritizing um, the styles of clothing that have this like really great, you know, stretchiness to them to that. So where I'm not like having to buy stuff for all the time. <laughs> yeah. We can grow into it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was going to say clothing is a big one. And I think, you know, I always, I always like to leave people like, you know, we can analyze everything out there and it takes forever, but I, you know, what I have uncovered, especially in the last year digging into this is I think one of the biggest impacts everybody can do, because sometimes I, I talk to people, like, oh, I don't know what to do. There's two things people can do that will make the biggest impact. One, use reusable bottles. Stop using plastic water bottles. Just eliminate them from your life. And the hard part to do that is you need to treat water bottles like a pair of shoes. And so we do this at home now. When we leave the house, just like me telling my kids to put their shoes on, I'm always asking where are their water bottles. Yep. And we've gotten far more hardcore about this lately where if they don't bring it and we're at a place that say that says only hands out plastic water bottles, we say no. I mean, we could be yeah. eating Thai food and they go, it's hot. I said, no. And so like we have gotten that hardcore about it. And the other one is the uh, the grocery bags. So yes. people just and then the, the the tip I always tell people is put it in the side of your your door 
Because how yes. many times do you get in there and you forget it? Because every it's time, trunk. every time, <laughs> every right? time. Yeah. So that's you know that's the discipline uh, is those two things. If people, if everybody did those two things, you'd remove twenty five percent of the plastics in our oceans right there, just yep. by doing two very simple things. Everybody can do. And yep. so that's at least my view on this. Is you know I am not a saint. I don't expect any anyone to be. You know we're not going back to trading pelts for gunpowder. Like we're not going yeah. back to that era. But what are some things that people can start to do? And those are good examples. Yeah, I have another um, grocery bag hack for you. This is one that we we did on um, we posted on TikTok and it went viral. We found that if you bring um, one of those like plastic laundry bins, um, like the ones we're all kind of picturing in our head that kind of have like that lattice look, you could put one of those in the back of your trunk. Um, and then instead of needing a bunch of grocery bags, you can just get everything put directly in your cart. You bring everything out and you just put it in one of those uh, laundry things and just ch- take it all into the house. <laughs> so that actually works pretty well. It, are you carrying your laundry bin into the store? No, no. You just uh, you just like forgo. You don't need bags. Like basically when they when they check you out, you just put everything back into the basket or the cart that you're using to shop for. And then you bring oh, it all out okay. to your car and you just throw it in there. So, I mean, that's maybe a little bit more uh, complicated than just remembering to have your bags on the side. But it's it's not a terrible backup plan um they also have these like foldable you know laundry bins like that so maybe maybe those those are things people can keep in and totally agree with you on the water bottle situation as well we do that a lot here at our house and then the last tip i would give and listeners you've heard me talk about this one forever but just it's single-use plastic specifically plastic wrap and plastic bags in your home for like school lunches or meal prep or anything like that like i think we're all guilty of that but ultimately like if you do some of these simple swaps, like use the reusable um, sort of silicone uh, plastic bags, you can also use things like bowl covers, et cetera, instead of single use plastic. I've been floored at how we like don't, we used to go through, uh, my family would go through a few boxes of Ziploc uh, bags and, you know, a roll of plastic wrap, I want to say every few months. And I now I'd be surprised if we do one a year and probably not even one a year. I'd say probably every two years now, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, th- I think once you get on this path, if I think of where our family was a year ago versus now, you just start to audit everything in your life and yes. think things. And, uh, you know, paper towels is one. We have two little kids. Man, we go through paper towels. Yes. And now we have we use those, uh, the reusable you know, rags, mm-hmm. just yeah. hang them up. They're great. There's nothing wrong with them, but yeah, well, we still use paper towels, but now I'd say probably, we probably cut our consumption in half. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a, we sell a set of those on Brightly and I use them religiously. And actually one thing that's like old school that I do with them, but it makes total sense. is like, I use them as handkerchiefs. Uh, so uh, that's always yeah. fun. Right. Uh, you know, instead of having to, you know, bring along t- tissues, I just use those and I wash them, which is like maybe a little gross, but it seem it certainly helps my nose when I'm having allergy attacks. It's not so irritated. <laughs> well, Nick, this has been fascinating to talk to you about all things stuff related. Um, I love that your project, um, one of your projects is called Stuff TV because it just, you know exactly what we're talking about <laughs> just from the name. Um, and I think, you know, before we wrap things up, you've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of different folks in the space, but also I would say like, you know, on the periphery of the space. So I'd be curious to know if you have like a story you'd like to share with our audience um, about a surprising insight you've discovered while doing some of these interviews. Oh yeah, well I'll, I'll have to think of one because there's. I know, right? It's probably like, hard to think. There's many of one. things that I've heard, <laughs> but 
you know, one of the more interesting conversations I had was a, was with a company. Uh, it was a guy named Mark Harema, he, and he started this company called New Light Technologies. Okay. And what was fascinating about Mark and his company, one, he, he started this company like 12 years ago, or maybe almost 20 years ago. I forgot. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. And one of the things that he had found out uh, early on was that our oceans have microorganisms that essentially ingest greenhouse gases. And the byproduct okay. they make uh, is this, uh, it almost looks like a little plastic pill. And as he was talking, he was showing me things like forks and um, um, sunglass frames that were made out of greenhouse gas. And I harp a lot um, on my podcast about plastics. Yes. And I felt like, you know, we've got two different types of plastics. We've got the ones that last forever. And then we have the, the, the terrible compostable bags that, you know, that that, 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 there's gotta be something that's kind of in the middle. And so that his company, again, new light technologies, I thought was one of the most innovative things of our time. And it's something that, you know, what these microorganisms are creating can be used as feedstock that just goes to, you know, you can take it to a plastic plant and basically you're making, you know, a, you know, greenhouse gas, uh, I'll say organic plastics. And so it's pretty dang cool because you can, you know, That's take so one of these cool. forks, you can use it and you can compost it. That's so cool. I'm like going to Google <laughs> after we're done talking. Of course, oh, listeners cool. will we'll put that in uh, the show notes and we'll include links to that because that sounds fascinating. And you're right. I mean, I think the amount of people now that are innovating from a material science perspective is so cool. I wish that, that would have been more of a career path back when I was in school. Cause I feel like I totally would have just been like all over that. Right. But um, you know, now I think as more and more people are starting to pay attention to the lens of sustainability times consumption um, I'm super excited to see. Yeah. More of this happen, more people decide to start companies from that angle um, and, and all of the above. Um, so Nick, this has been amazing talking with you. Um, like we said, listeners, we'll, we'll make sure that you've got um, ways to connect with um, Nick and his new initiatives um, via our show notes. But before we go, I'd love to know really from where you're sitting right now, either as, you know, the founder of OfferUp or um, Nick, who's embarking on Stuff TV, like what is exciting you the most about what you're witnessing in the, we can call it like the conscious consumerism movement right now? Uh, I think there's multiple things that are are happening at a macro level. I mean, one, you've never had more pressure in this space. And maybe part of it is as consumers, we just have a lot more data. I think what we know now versus even 30 years ago, we've been monitoring our planet for a long time. We have satellites that are constantly giving us information. And we can use that to say, "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh, things are happening. I don't like it. And you can just look out the window. So even for people that say, oh, I don't believe in global warming, I say, but then you're not looking out the window. Yeah, that's true. Or you're not breathing in the air that's, you know, unfortunately covered in smoke around you. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the best time of year in Seattle is usually August. In the last six years, we've had fires. We've never had that in my entire life like like this. And so that's, again, part of the effects of just, you know, of of global change. And so, you know, I think that... um, that is good. I think the amount of capital going into this from a government level, also from on the private sector, from venture, you know, if you look at the last decade, the amount of money going into climate related uh, businesses has grown 20x, right? So I think when you have that kind of yeah. capital going into an area, you get more of the brightest minds and they, they care about it. 
I think the younger generations definitely care a lot more about this. Uh, and I think that's good. Like they want to make an impact. And a number of the people I've been interviewing are much younger. And some of these, I interviewed a guy last week uh, who's launching, he just came out of college and he's going he's gonna to launch a satellite on a SpaceX uh, rocket here soon, like right out of college. Wow. So that's pretty exciting. So I think there's, you know, as a kid, we talked about climate, but we just, it was more of a, a feeling with a little bit of data. Now we just have more data, more capital. Um, I think more people are now educated and having better conversations and they can see it, right? I think you can see the effects of these things. And so, you know, overall, I'm optimistic. I, I do think part of the challenge is though, is we have to rethink everything. Yes, and, we do. And that's just a big, big problem. And, but it's going to take, it's going to take everybody kind of talking and engaging in a conversation. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Nick. This has been awesome um, and really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social media. You'll find us on almost everything at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.